All right, welcome back to the latest edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is holy crap! It is July third, two thousand twenty. We are heading into July fourth weekend, and as luck would have it, nothing says July fourth like getting stung by a wasp because that's what happened to me yesterday. How are you doing, Anne and Emma, the intern? Well, like better than you, apparently. Um, I'm glad you survived the wasp attack. Was it one of the murder hornets or just a regular old wasp? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, some, about it. something's got to give. I mean, somebody asked me how I was doing and I was like, well, I, uh, I think I, I think I had like an intestinal parasite. I can't go outside because of COVID. I think I need foot surgery. And then I got stunned by a wasp. But yeah, you know, overall, mentally, my health seems pretty good. Yeah, I'm sitting outside with Mrs. Army Talk. Put my feet under the patio table, my legs under the patio table, and boom, out comes six wasps, one of which bites me right on the knee. And it was terrible. I think it sting is the correct term. Yes, stings me, stings me, yes. Uh, And, you know, then later that night, I waited till dusk when they're all asleep, and I sprayed that little nest. How did you know that? Is this like, did you start researching wasp sleeping patterns and behaviors, and now you're an expert in this area, or this is just like existing Chris Walton knowledge. I, w- I would like to say that I was bequeathed that knowledge, you know, through, <laughs> through the years, through my 43 years of life, but that didn't happen. It was, you know, very Google avid search. Google searching by Miss o- Mrs. Ami talking. She even wanted to see me do it. So like she was holding the flashlight and I'm out there and we went out there this morning. That thing is dead. Those things are crazy too. They're like very soft. I thought they were, they look like these hard, hard nests, but anyway, really soft, but enough of my wasp, wasp yeah. stories which that's funny to say <laughs> how are you guys doing what do you got planned for this weekend emma your plans kind of got like bunked huh what's going on with you what are you gonna do for fourth of july uh probably nothing but i'm gonna i'm planning on going back to new york sometime mid-july to hang out with wow. family so yeah not but Just, nothing major happening this weekend uh no no, any good, any good television program, television, listen to me, any good streaming that you you're planning better, for the weekend, better. just out of curiosity. I don't think so. I'm not a big, I don't watch that much TV. I'll probably bring the dogs to the dog park. Just the Ooh. usual. Cause there's two dogs now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for those wondering, we still have not picked the name for the new Bernie doodle yet either. I know I got a lot of questions and feedback on that last week. There's a new name in the running Kona, but yes, if you have Ooh. a name, please submit because we need some How new smooth questions. Isn't it? Right. Doesn't that sound nice? And you're a big streaming fan. You probably have some new series you're into. What yeah. are you doing this weekend? We just started watching Hollywood on Netflix, which I was Ooh. telling you, Chris, I think that uh, you guys would like that a lot. It's about, you know, the start of, or I guess the, the golden age of Hollywood, not the start of Hollywood, but. Well, um, it's like the fifties, right? Like people like yeah. Hunter, Rock Hudson. Oh yeah. All those. these people that you know, that no one else knows, very obscure names that I'm sure you're going to watch the show and be like, oh yeah, that's that person's playing so-and-so. And I'm just like, that's the dude from Glee, right? <laughs> I, I, I resemble that remark, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, I imagine. I imagine. Well, I'll have to check that out. We've been looking for a new show. So I'll, I'll, t- I'll let Mrs. Omni talk know, and hopefully we can watch that and talk about it next week. But well, hey, this shows this is an interesting week, folks. I think for those those listening, those watching, um, we had trouble figuring out the list this week. And it wasn't that there weren't a lot of great stories. It was which stories really should make our top five. In fact, I would say 
uh, Emma wasn't there for it, but I would say this was probably the feistiest Anne and I ever got in trying to pick out our stories this week. There are, there are a few barbs stored each other as we were trying to decide which way to go with this. But we've got some fun, fun stuff. We've got headlines from Lululemon. We're going to kick it off with that. Then we've got Brookfield Properties doing some cool things in, in the styling and apparel fitting uh, area of the business. And then, of course, Walgreens doing some interesting stuff. Nike making big announcements. And then we're going to close. Wait for it because I know you want to. We're going to talk Kanye and the Gap. I cannot wait for that one. This is going to be a blast. But before we do, let's give a shout out to our sponsor. Our sponsor is Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro fulfillment. Small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. All right, Emma the intern, are you ready? You want to kick us off this week? Yeah. Right. So, Lululemon is acquiring the at home fitness company, Mirror, for $500 million. If you don't know what Mirror is, Mirror is a fitness device that offers live classes through a wall-mounted mirror in addition to on-demand workouts and one-on-one sessions. The Mirror retails for $14.95 and subscribers pay about $39 a month to stream the classes. So I think that this is awesome. I think this is going to be the new Peloton. I think you're going to pull in, you know, Peloton was all for millennials. I think you can pull in a wider kind of range of people just because there's more diversity in the workouts you can do. But I also love that, you know, Lululemon is diving further into experiential retail, but not necessarily in a physical space. You know, COVID has changed the way we look at fitness and they're meeting you where you are, which is in your house. And you get to wear your Lululemon stuff while working out, probably looking at Lululemon instructors. So I think it's a really cool, just whole experiential combination for Lululemon. So you're loving this. Yeah. You are. And for clarification to it. Fourteen hundred and ninety-five dollars too, not oh, the yeah. general fourteen ninety-five. But of course, I'm sure most people already picked you up. You could on probably that you could probably do like several installment payments of fourteen ninety-five over the course of several years uh, to cover the cost of that. I imagine they probably yeah. stuck with somebody, right? Yeah, the math on that actually works out pretty well. Divisible yeah. by ten. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, hey, I try to add value wherever possible. But Anne, you're the resident, I would say, fitness expert of this trio. I've actually spent, believe it or not, those that don't know, a lot of time trying to learn a lot about the fitness industry in the last year, especially too. But but Anne, this is way your, more your wheelhouse than mine. Are you are you buying this to the same degree Emma is or are you coming up differently here? How, how, how are you thinking about this? You know, I actually think this is less about the mirror product itself and more about the audience that they're buying, the technology that they're buying, and uh, the future potential that there is for this partnership or acquisition, rather. But, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the price of $500 million seems incredibly high to me. Um, especially, you know, that was the value that the company was given during what I would imagine would be the height of sales early on in the pandemic, you know, they were worth a hundred million dollars. Um, and now they're getting five times that. However, Lululemon did invest money in them last year early on. So my, my guess is that they've got a better picture into some of the backside operations that are going on with mirror that have 
given them the confidence to make this significant amount of an investment. So, you know, for me, I think it's about what Lululemon, like Emma's saying, they have to pivot from these big experiential centers that they were investing a lot of money in. And so it's helping Lululemon get some uh, expertise, get some technology backbone, and again, get the audience to kind of develop what the future uh, Lululemon platform will be. Um, that's this omni-channel uh, lifestyle platform. Wow, that's really interesting. So I think it's amazing. Your first story off the bat, I think we all agree on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big buyer on this one too. I mean, I put this out on social media earlier in the week. Um, had the chance to listen. I think at the time it was Mary Beth Lawton um, while Calvin McDonald was CEO at Sephora, and I always thought, and I'll share this with you guys now because I always thought it was really smart the way they captured what makes a great omni-channel experience. And they said an omni-channel experience in retail always comes down to four things. It should be something that's memorable. It should be something that's shareable, repeatable, and addictive. And I think this, when you stop and think about it, checks the boxes on all those things. And, and Emma, your point's 100%. Like, where are you going to deploy your capital right now? It's probably not what you were thinking you're going to do before in terms of the experiential stores they were going to build. So let's put it somewhere else and let's put it to good use. And I think this makes a ton of sense. It, initially I had questions about the substrate, right? Like who cares? It's the mirror. You know, we've seen mirrors in fitting rooms, but I don't think that's what matters. I think what matters is actually the software and the know-how. When you think about it, like how did we conduct commerce on a desktop versus how that migrated to the phone? It's about knowing the underpinnings of that as you go, that are going to be able to inform you of how things are going to change in the future. So I think Lululemon learning and understanding that how to program whatever device it is, starting with this mirror, putting trainers on there, different types of athletic programming that can be done anywhere in your home, in a hotel room, on vacation. Oh, and by the way, you can have the clothes and you can have the clothes probably in the long run delivered to you while you're doing that. All of that makes sense. And all of that especially makes sense at a time when we don't know how long we're all going to be in this situation, we're in this confined thing where gyms probably, you know, may not matter for at least a large enough segment of the population anymore to the degree that they did before. We'll probably get there, but getting back to normal still could take some time. It's hard to know when, but I don't know any rebuttal thoughts on, on anything I just said there, you guys. No, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, we'll, we'll see where, where this ends up you know, evolving to, but yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's about that community. Um, it's about creating a further extension of the Lululemon brand outside of that store. Yeah. I think the one thing I would say to be careful of is how do you take this to market? So right now I think it's pretty straightforward because quite frankly, physical retail is tough, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would weigh into trying to sell these out of the Lululemon store. I think you're getting into a different sales experience there it becomes more technical. It becomes more, you know, service oriented than what you're typically selling in terms of apparel in the store. So if you start setting these up as different standalone operations, similar to what you see in Peloton do, similar to what it sounds like Mirror's already trying to do in some physical locations, I think that probably could be kind of the next like key step in terms of how do you operationalize this. While the idea is good, taking it to the next step will still be key. And that is one watch out I would still have for Lululemon as they think about this in terms of you know, what it, how do you actually sell this to the market? Fair. Yeah. A lot of retailers from Walmart and Target have had trouble selling uh, treadmills over the year as an example and have refused ever to do it again. All right. Story number two, Anne, 
All right. So you guys, Brookfield Properties, the large mall owner, is going to bring AI-based apparel shopping to three of their centers in Chicago, Dallas, and L.A. Uh, they're partnering with a company called Fitmatch Studios, and uh, they're going to be rolling out contactless shopping experiences based on 3D and artificial intelligence. Um, so Fitmatch, they are an apparel shopping uh, platform, and what they do is they allow customers to get fitched. Yes, that's right. I said fitched uh, by answering a few questions on their mobile phone. Uh, giving their name, their fit preferences. Um, I imagine very similar to what we've seen with a lot of these apps where you say, you know, I wear a size you know, six in a J. Crew dress, and then they are able to help kind of conform what that is uh, for all of the other brands that are under the Brookfield property umbrella. Um, and they're able to take that in addition to a 150 point body scan of your body. And in 10 seconds, uh, they're able to provide a list of, of, fit match for you specifically, personalized shopping um, for the shops in their malls, um, an assortment of apparel matches. And so this to me, contrary to what I posted earlier this week on LinkedIn, I was shocked to see this headline because I was not expecting any mall operators to be investing in any tech after Governor Cuomo starting to make people put in HVAC systems systems in 200 million square feet of mall property. So this was really exciting to me. And I think, you know, goes without saying it's, it's taking the extended aisle that we used to have to work on when we were um, at the big box retailers and taking a mall and giving you all the experiences to shop contactless, all the, the, the retailers in that mall, but then also you can take that and you can open that up and have a, a mall that exists for all of the stores in the whole uh, shopping ecosystem. But what do you guys think? Are you in on this? Are you? Are you so you like this? Out? So you like this a lot? Okay, Emma. I, Emma, you you have the most mall based experience of, of of any of us, especially in recent memory. I mean, I would think the body scan part is really really cool because I haven't seen that kind of anywhere else. And you know, like. Do you guys have data store. concerns about that at all? Sorry, Emma, do you, either of you and Emma, like, are you guys worried about like your, your body being scanned? I'm just curious if that even enters your, your thought process in this. Personally, I don't, I, I could care less. No, I, I don't care. Yeah. To me, I, the way that I'm picturing this and I should have said too, I think they have like just under a thousand square foot, uh, like storefront or space where they're doing this testing. I just imagine like, but at some point in time, we're going to have to walk into malls and like, just do the airport. Like, like the airport. Thing. That's kind of how you, yeah, you just get scanned and, and hell, if I can come away from there and they're like, these are the 25,000 things that you could be buying in this mall as a result. Like, go ahead, take my, take my, uh, mom body data info and do what you want with it. Somebody wants my body data info. That was how I was thinking about it too. Hey, you want my body? Hey, you're gonna buy me a drink after? This sounds great. <laughs> right, have a cigarette. Wait for me on the way out. Uh, that'd be a good marketing tactic. All right, Emma. Sorry, what were you saying? What I was gonna say is, you know, across different stores, your size always varies a little bit. So 100%. if you could take out the guessing of having to try on three different sizes in every single store you go to. I think that that's a really helpful and really efficient way to help mall shoppers. Yeah. So you like this too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I also think too, with in terms of contactless and everything that's happening in the physical world, like, and not knowing how long that's going to last. And then, and then also not, not knowing what mall experiences people really want, right? The malls have to figure out a way to differentiate themselves. And I think one of those ways, and we've talked about this a lot on the show is 
how do you make the act of discovery easier and faster and more convenient? And so it makes sense that Brookfield would part make this type of partnership because those are the types of purveyors that lease space in their malls. So they can, you know, help facilitate those purveyors, customers finding and discovering products in this way that can happen in a mall with something like this. It could happen outside a mall with something like this, but it goes back to you. We still have that need to discover product e-commerce. We've talked about things like the yes and the new shop app, trying to help with that uh, Instagram doing that every single day. But yeah, actually when you're taking the time and you actually want to invest in the physical world and that still hasn't all been figured out yet, if and when you can pipe all the correct fitting information and garment specifications into this type of thing across all the different people, it becomes really interesting. It starts to tie into with what we've talked about in terms of how we'd reinvent the mall with digital front ends, right? That showcase every, every, you know, purveyor in that mall, tie them into this type of system too. And that also makes a ton of sense. So fascinating. We all agree. We all agree on this one as well. Any final comments? No. All right. Well, let's keep on rolling. We are trucking today. I got the next one and that is Walgreens. Walgreens is introducing a newer small format store that they believe could help what they call pharmacy deserts. So Walgreens has recently opened 30 small format pharmacies as part of a pilot. Now, these stores are similar to Walgreens in almost every way, shape, and form. The only difference is that they have a selection of slimmed down items that are geared towards health and wellness, things like thermometers, band-aids, and over-the-counter medications, and of course, those everyday snacks you need, like popcorn and pretzels. And what do you think here? Well, so here's the good news. I think if, if this is wildly successful and takes off, I think they have a point with the pharmacy deserts of, you know, or, you know, they're expanding the clinic programs that they've talked about also with some of these pilots uh, where there's a higher interaction between the pharmacist and uh, the individuals there. So you could have what, you know, 9,000 or however many Walgreens there are across the country formats similar to this that are available to people who need access to them um, or who want to pick up prescriptions closer to their home. Um, And I think the problem though, that I have with this is that I think that you're not planning a good customer experience for the future. I think there's still some value, especially with those Walgreens locations that are in these like more rural areas, or they're kind of the part of the downtown, like Walgreens right now is providing that one-stop shop for a lot of people. And so I think that removing that part of their assortment um, could provide some challenges down the road. Maybe it makes them more competitive in the long term, or at least this is some, or in the short term, sorry. And this is something that, and it was worth a pilot for sure, but I don't know that it's going to pay off in the end. Emma, what do you think? I think if they can focus, they mentioned it a little bit in that article that they're trying to work on building more of a relationship between customer and pharmacist. And I think if they can build on that, that would really change the whole pharmacy industry because usually you go to the pharmacy and you pick up some kind of prescription that could have like severe impact on your body. And the pharmacist just kind of reads you like a waiver and then you walk home. But they could be a really cool like contact point to learn more about your health, more about what you're putting into your body. So I think there is potential to really build on that relationship between 
person and their medical team. However, I don't know if that's a really sustainable mm-hmm. business decision, but I think it would be cool if your pharmacist could be someone that like you actually know and that yeah. actually seems to care about you. Yeah. For a lot of people, you know, especially if you're older, it, it kind of is that already. I mean, a lot of people have those relationships with pharmacists if they're going there pretty frequently. And, and you know, almost every pharmacy retailer talks about that always being an important angle in terms of why they try to select the pharmacy that they do. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit probably as, as you guys are saying, I'm a little bit 50, 50 on this. I think number one, it's a test, which I think is awesome. Test away. Like, you know, from my perspective, always like, you know, test away as long as you kind of have an idea of where you're going. And I think this fits well enough within those, within those parameters of, you know, helping you learn and identify something. You know, I think, you know, I think for me, there's a, there's a couple of things I actually used. I don't know if you guys have done this yet at, at any of the drugstore chains. I'm curious. Um, and so let me know, shake your heads, yes or no. And then we can talk about it more, but I actually used Walmart's express, I'm sorry, Walgreens, excuse me, express delivery last weekend. Um, and it was what awesome. Do you think? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Actually the hardest part was like, how do you tell the doctor where to send the prescription and how do you do it? Like that part's not intuitive, but actually inside the Walgreens app, it was super easy, super flexible. The only downside, I actually want to write about this too, but the only downside about it was that um, there was a little bit of delay in pickup and delivery around the weekend. So -hmm. it's like more of a business day setup, it felt like, than an actual like immediate need. And and that's a problem with with prescriptions. So, you know, I say that, and then we'll come back to, I'm curious if you guys have tried it, but I say that because like, if you can start to deploy these types of locations, because I think we're moving in that direction, like you don't really want to go to the pharmacy. I mean, if you could just literally have your doctor send the prescription and then it arrives at your house almost before you get home or like sure. soon after you get home, that's awesome. Like who's not going to like that. And so if this enables that, I think that's cool, but it's hard to tell that for sure. This seems more like a location play versus like a truly omni-channel play, at least the way it's being described. The other piece of it too, is I would love a quick in and out pharmacy that was small and only devoted toward the pharmacist but I'd like to do it in a way that's developed architecturally around everything that we've been talking about with COVID. Like it's not just, I, when I go into a pharmacy, I just, I don't want to stay away from sick people just because of COVID. I want to stay away from all the sick people that are at a pharmacy, whether they have strep throat or the flu or God knows what else. Right. So how do you design an experience that in general just feels more relaxing, but also quicker, faster, and more convenient with the, with the pickup and the delivery elements to it. I, I think that's where I'd love to see this go. Maybe it will. It's hard to say, but I think that's, that was my take in reading the story and why we thought, I think the story was important. Have you guys tried delivery yet of, of, of prescriptions? Emma, what did you, you're shaking your head. Yeah. I've yeah. used CV, CVS's same day delivery before. Okay. Yeah. How's that work? It's pretty good. They won't do, if you're outside of like a really urban area, they won't do refrigerated yeah. deliveries, which is kind of a very like niche kind of need, but it definitely is super awesome because going to the pharmacy and especially the one I use is like right on campus, but there's no parking and it sucks. So I love the the option to have the one day delivery. Right. Yeah. And there's certain medications I think too, uh, that you know are restricted, but yeah, no, it's great. I mean, who wants to go, who wants to go somewhere when they're sick? I mean, that's fundamentally, uh, you talk about universal truths. Like yeah. I think that's a universal truth. Why do I want to go somewhere when I don't feel good? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you don't agree. So I have a little bit of a different experience. I don't, my my family is fortunate in that we don't have recurring prescriptions that we have. So the, the delivery thing for us is not a use case that we would be 
that I would value at this point in time. Because for me right now, this, the real scenario that comes is like cold and flu season where yes, I do have a kid with strep and I, you know, yes, I don't want to be in there, but we have to go pick up the, the prescription at the Walgreens from the doctor's office as we're leaving the doctor's office. And then there's a lot of other stuff that I need. don't want to go to 15 other places with my sick yeah. kid in tow. So the advantage for me is kind of lends itself to what I was talking about earlier, like to be able to get Gatorade and the cough drops and whatever, mm. like all the supplementary things that you're getting in that purchase make sense. And that's why, you mm. know, I think like what Walmart's doing with yeah, that's what I was just thinking about scan and go where I can order the things from the doctor's office. So I can just be like, grab the bag. I'm not wandering through the store and I'm out of there as quick and as easy as possible. Like that to me is what you have to, there's still, I think that segment of the market too, that, um, that needs that store. That's a great point. And yeah, that's why I love doing the show. It's a totally different angle and wrinkle too. like what mindset you are you in? Who are you as a consumer? Also to your point about Walmart too, also gives more credence to the whole, like kind of Walmart getting into the healthcare primary care business at their locations right. too, in addition to that. So like not even what you said, you just walk next door and it's all right there too. So right. um, fascinating. All right, let's keep on rolling. Who's got story number four? I do. All right. So Nike plans to open up to 200 small format stores despite a 38% revenue drop in the fourth quarter. For Nike, losses totaled up to $790 million after income of $989 million the year prior. So in these new stores, they're working on bringing in more tech from their House of Innovation concept and other kind of small stores that they've been testing. And despite the pretty big losses for Nike, I actually think this is a really cool idea because there just aren't many Nike stores around the country. And if you can, the House of Innovation experience is awesome. And like, it's really hard to walk out of there without buying a pair of shoes. And if you can bring more of the tech that's in that store to all the other locations, especially with how people just aren't traveling as much, you know, it's not as much of a destination anymore. If they can bring in that tech to smaller stores around the country, I think that they can actually really kind of build on that physical retail experience. And then they also mentioned that they're going to start focusing more on women's and kids shoes and apparel. I definitely think there is a lot of potential to build the women's shoe market a lot more. Nike has all kinds of cool things, such as their sneaker like website, which is not actually spelled like sneaker, but it's all about cool, like exclusive collabs. And they say the shoes are unisex, but like they're really targeted for men. And there's a lot of potential in there to bring more of that to the women's side of things, especially in a physical store. Yeah, I hear you, Emma. I want the Travis Scotts and that can't even like on all the resale apps. I there nobody has a size six in these Travis Scott Jordans that I've been exactly limiting. like it's a rare it's like even more rare than finding the shoe itself. So you're totally yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you got you have a cool a pair of Jordans that are actually right like that are were they Jordans or they just no they're just Nikes that are cool but they're just women's styled and they're, they're pretty sweet yeah yeah I agree I mean I think Emma's dead on I love this yeah, for sure I think it, it makes a lot of sense Chris you had a really good point when we were talking about the stories when we were debating the stories yesterday um of just how and Emma said it too how few places there are to yeah. actually go and explore shoes right now and so as that number as the mall stores start to decline as we start to see fewer and fewer places to actually go into and buy these shoes i think nike has the power as a brand to create a destination i mean 
you look at all of the tier zero and tier one Nike stores or, um, you know, the, the like gallery stores that people are creating those tier zero and tier one sellers, they're not having the issues during the pandemic that the, the larger, broader Nike brand are because they're, they're destinations. And I think even if Nike were to create a, a store, one of these small format stores, that's like tiny, that's just like the locker system that they have in place where you can go pick up and try At Nike live. Yeah. Right. And put them right back. Like even that small format is bringing this Nike experience into more places around the country. And I think that that that's a really smart move when you're facing the fourth quarter losses that they, they looked at last year. Yeah. No, it's just, yeah. There are a couple of things that struck me with this. I think one, one, you don't realize just how big the wholesale network is probably for Nike when you start reading these numbers and you start to see, you know, kind of what they've reported, like, you know, as much as, and then I think, I think we might even mention this last week, like, or in conversation too, like when I started seeing Nike go 50% off on a sale a weekend or two ago, you were like, yeah. ah, something bad is coming. But I, I think you're hitting on it. And I think what it talks about the threat, the trends we've seen for a long time, which is, you know, if you are a brand that can differentiate yourself, can answer the why, as in there is a differentiated product here that you should come to me to get, that's the key to answering whether or not you want to go wholesale or you want to control your own distribution. Mm-hmm. And if you are one of those, and I think you're starting to see this more, you're going to try to take more control over that. Pepsi, what they're doing with snacks.com, same thing, different type of product line, but it's the same general idea. So if you're dependent on the wholesaler network, especially right now, you're going to see people trying to move away from this. It's just a smart move. And then after even everything lessens up, if you can really control it, you know, you're probably going to use it more as a complement if you're smart than actually the core of what your strategy is because digital has basically leveled the playing field to say anybody can get whatever they want from you anywhere. What makes it special about getting it from you directly online or directly in a physical store or some variant of a store? And like you just described, maybe it's a pickup station for your online interactions because you don't want your 200 pair of dollar of Jordans waiting on your doorstep for you to get home and pick them up, which probably people don't. Yeah. The last thing has got to be hot items on doorstep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the last thing I would just add to is again, once we get back to the experiential retail nature of retail, once we can all go out and experience things together, Emma hit on it too. Like this shoe culture is expanding. So now something that, you know, might've just been like teenagers interested in getting the latest sneaker we talked about with your, your friends, Chris, that are buying Yeezy, like tennis shoes. Like this is something now that's turned into a a thing that is interesting and fun and an experience that the whole family can enjoy. And like, I can see me taking my, like, that's a connection that I can have with my kid where we go to this Nike store together. We're both trying things on. You have this memory and experience in the moment. You're more compelled to spend more money because you, every time you wear those Jordans, you'll be thinking of that moment that you had together. So I just, I love it. And I think it's really smart for Nike. Uh, on so many levels. Yeah, 100% agree. There's so many omni-channel tie-ins too with how the app can work with all these different locations. Right. And like, it keeps me in that brand and I can see everything that's available. That's always a problem with Foot Locker too. Like if you go there, it's like, oh, here's portions of it, but what else can I get, right? Yeah. Like it's it's almost frustrating in a lot of ways. It, it's almost dissuades me to buy anything there in a And here we are, three, almost, almost three, and you're still close enough to my generation, but three almost different generations 
all like really into this trend too, which is like that casual footwear. So, right. All right. Well, let's go to the next story. The final story I teased it before and you probably heard the news, but gaps stock went bananas last week on bananas, bananas, bananas. That, you know, what was bananas according to Gwen <laughs> Stefani, because they are now touting a new collaboration with Kanye West and his fashion brand Yeezy. He's going to develop a clothing line for men, women, and kids that will sell in Gap stores and on its website starting in 2021. Shares were as up by as much as 40% on tr- in trading on Friday. This is nuts. Now, there's all kinds of conditions to the deal. We'll probably get into those because some of them I think are very important in this story. But I got to ask right off the bat, and you first, then Emma, and buyer selling this, and then we'll say why. Just one okay. word, buyer sell. Can we, can we, quick for the audience, Emma, can you explain Yeezy a little bit for those who might not be familiar and the other people who might not own a pair of these Yeezy shoes? Just give us like the quick overview of the brand and why it's so cool. Yeezy is Kanye West's fashion brand, and for shoes, he makes all kinds of sneakers and different slides. And just because he's Kanye West, they all became cool. And they retail for somewhere between like 200 to $600. And then the Yeezy clothing, it's a very like modern take on athleisure. He always works in neutral colors, but he'll add in different kinds of details like pockets and whatnot. But because he's Kanye West and he wears these things in Calabasas or in Wyoming, and he's just captured so much of particularly like my age and a little bit older, that kind of age group with his music, people just follow him. So Yeezy has gained like a cult following as well. Okay. Thank you. And the shoes are pretty stylish too. I mean, they are pretty stylish. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, but like, I remember, uh, I don't, I remember my, I remember my 40 something boss three or four years ago, strolling in a meta Nordstrom's when I ran into him on the weekend. So like, you know, I don't, they're, they're stylish enough, but, but Sorry, going ba- go back, going back. One word, each of you, and then we'll say why. You're selling. Emma? Buying. You're buying. All right, Anne, you start. Why are you selling this? So I was trying to think of a way to, or like an analogy for this, and the closest thing I could come up with is- Oh, look out. This move for Gap is like me playing poker when I've had too many Coors Lights. I get an ace and a king in the hand, and I go all in. I put all my chips in because I think I'm going to win this. Um, it's the most high risk move, but I'm feeling gutsy. And honestly, if I'm gap, what else do I have to lose right now by going all in on this partnership? Um, here's the deal. This could work. This could blow up. It could be amazing. I don't think it's going to be, I worked on targets design partnerships for years. There are definitely ones that hit it home that, you know, break the website that make, you know, it worth it. And you have 20 more going on. But there's also some that don't. And I think that this is either going to make or break Gap, if Gap can even last until 2021. Like, that's the other thing that nobody's talking about here. Like, this is launching in 2021. So if they can sustain all the lawsuits on real estate that they owe, you know, what they owe the mall owners, I don't, I don't know, guys. I'm, I just, I want it to, to be successful. I think he, he's a really compelling person who could get people interested in the brand again, but I don't know if it's going to save it. By the way, that is a really, 
really fabulous analogy. I, I can't wait to come back to that. Like, I'm really and, fun to play poker with. So Wow, yeah. that is really good. I No, I love it. It's inspiring me, actually. A- A- Emma, what do you think? I think this definitely could be a major flop. But I have the, I really think that just Kanye West himself is going to pull in people like young millennials, older Gen Z. And that's those are the people that Gap needs. Like Generation Z is predicted to have the most consumer spending power ever. I think that was before COVID. But I think, you know, Gap needs this group of people in order to stay afloat if they can make it to 2021. And mm-hmm. I can just imagine the setup because it said the line is going to have like hoodies and sweats and everything like that. I can imagine that in the front of a Gap store. It's just its own little place. They can actually sell these things at full price if the demand that I think there will be is there. So I think that this this could save Gap. Yeah, it's fa- it's fast. Yeah, uh, God, I think it's fast. There's so many uh, there's so many angles to this. I mean, I think the other things I point out too, just for a reference point, the this the Yeezy brand is valued very high. I mean, I think it's two billion plus dollars. And Gap's market cap, by the last time I checked, I'll check it again here as we're talking. But I think last time I checked, it was just around like four billion. Um, and they're expecting some big things from this. So if you look at the actually, according to reports, and this is from CNBC, that if they reach certain targets, some of these targets are $700 million in annual volume. And Kanye could get as much as eight and a half million shares in Gap, depending on how this goes. So it's not like it's not like the expectations here, folks, are small for this thing. So they are really putting the chips in. And I think your analogy is beautiful because it actually reminds me too of, of a of a a different example, I remember in business school, they always talked about how, and I never remember the guy's name, but I think it was FedEx, where the CEO, when he was first starting, he couldn't make payroll. And he was like, oh, yeah, let's go to the tables. I've told you that before. And the guy won and he made, he made payroll. And I think, so it's a few cores lights in, but it's also when you, at gap stage, you just, you might not have more than $100 left on the table to bet. And so yeah. you're putting your That's- chips forward and you're rolling with it. And God knows you need some type of rebranding. Um, and when I stop and think about it, God, I mean, this could work as well as anything else. But you literally, I mean, that is the downside. You literally are saying, can I bet on Kanye to help make this happen? And that's 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 a big, big bet to play. But hey, I don't know that I don't know what the other option is. And God, we've talked about that on this show too, in terms of what that could look like. So I don't know. And he's pulled it off and that brand is worth a lot. Now it's almost worth as much as the gap is. I just validated the number. So I'm, I am on the side of liking this more than not liking this, which I thought, which for me initially when I read it, I was like, huh? And now, okay. Over the week, it just keeps growing on me and growing on me. And then he's talking about creating new discovery experiences on websites, which I know that's crazy and wild, but who knows how this all gets pulled off. Yeah, Emma, what, I'm curious from your perspective, like obviously Kanye, the other risk factor that we're not talking about is just like, he's a he's kind of a on, on again, off again celebrity. Like he can do some crazy wild things. He's pretty outspoken. Does that, has that impacted as, as a Gen Z person, how you think about buying his products? Like has anything that he's been doing or any of that like risk factored into what you guys think about when you're purchasing his products? I would definitely, I think most people take the approach of separate the art from the artist. Okay. Like Kanye West as a like creative or an artist is really cool. He is 
off the rails in right. like all other aspects of life. But his like fashion and his music is usually always spot on. And people just like hold on to that in hopes that he'll maybe like come back and be like a 100% full person one day. Yeah. But I definitely, there's a little bit of risk, but I think just as we've seen with Yeezy still being valued so high, despite everything that's happened since like 2016. Right. Great point. I think, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. I and think that's, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that too. I think like the other thing too, that I should have mentioned, I think it, Emma just brought it back to light. was like, this brand is aspirational right now. Mm-hmm. So it's got that value before it's been unleashed to the masses. So if Kanye, and who knows, maybe Kanye has said with Gap, we're going to unleash this brand of the masses. I don't care what happens to my reputation. I'm still cool because I'm Kanye, which can he pull that off? Yeah, I think he right. can. And that actually plays really well right now when people aren't spending as much discretionary money. So there's more of a volume to be unlocked there. So to speak, I see you shaking your head. Final word. Yeah, I just, I think Emma's right. I think for, you know, his art and his, especially the clothing line seems to be insulated based on what his extra experience, like who he is outside and the thing, like what he'll tweet and his opinions outside of that brand. Like, I think, you know, he's done a really good job of, of like maintaining that and keeping that very, a very insular kind of separate entity instead of, you know, merging Kanye, the external appearance person and Kanye the businessman so who knows yeah yeah and God, yeah the guy just keeps reinventing himself and add to quote Kanye West week ever hashtag or hashtag West week ever I even screwed it up anyway so. buy those Yeezys Chris just go yeah. buy the Yeezys right right, right 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 all right all right well that closes us up fun show this week like I said very different the headlines were, they were just really interesting this week. There's a lot of angles to them. Hope everyone can think through them, form their own own, own opinions. It's why we do this show. Uh, remember, if you haven't yet, remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, as well as Spotify. I uh, also put out an interesting post this week on VR and what that means for retail. I made a few interesting analogies. You might want to check that one out. It's on the Robin Report. I'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, and of course, as always, we're heading into the 4th of July weekend. So on behalf of all of us here, as always, be careful out there.